I'm your host, Bailey Sessoms, and you're listening to CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs. So get ready for some candid conversations with top-level entrepreneurs, dropping gems on building relationships, dishing the raw realities of running a profitable business, and realistic strategies on getting it done. All right, all my hustlers to CEOs, thank you for joining us for another episode of CEO Combo. Today's guest is a business associate of mine. He's an Emmy winner, award-winning video journalist and visual storyteller. He's worked with powerhouse media brands, including 20th Century Fox, DreamWorks Pictures, and the Discovery Channel. He's also the founder of Exposure, which is a nonprofit providing real-world education to college students. Please welcome the CEO of the Napoleon Complex Project, Don Napoleon. How are you today? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so today, just to kind of give everybody what's going on, today in, in the Washington, D.C. area, we have a lot of snow that's going on. So it took a lot for both of us to be on this phone call today to bring <laughs> you some good information about you know taking your business to yeah. the next level. So for the month of January, we talked about branding. So for February, we want to go into talking about marketing. And after we've done the branding and we're ready to do marketing, I wanted to talk to different um, industry professionals, obviously CEOs, who have taken their business from doing it part-time to obviously doing it full-time and you know, and being able to be successful, pay the bills, you know, all that good stuff that we all try to do uh, when running a business. So I like to start each show off with a scenario. So the scenario that I have for you is um, this person has been a professional photographer for the past five years. They say that I still work a full-time job and have a very demanding schedule with little to no flexibility, which has limited me to only shooting on the weekends. I shoot weddings and portraits, but recently I decided to focus on portraits. Weddings require a lot of shooting and editing, of course, um, and most of the brides want to nickel and dime you for a discount. Do you have any suggestions on how I can start transitioning into doing photography full-time, build my clientele, and still be able to cover my cost of living? So I think that's the question or the goal that every budding entrepreneur um, has. So what's your feedback on that? Well, first, I would say to um, the individual to first analyze your budget, like just look and see what you've made over the years, um, throughout those five years. That's going to be very helpful. Um, and also in looking at your five-year window um, of what you've made with your projects, uh, being a freelancer because you are still working full-time, also look at which, how many of them are uh, returning clients. So if there are returning clients in there, then you really can set yourself a budget for yourself. So if you look at those numbers and they match up and they're like, you know, I can sustain a decent living, then um, it's time to step out on faith. Because a lot of people end up asking the question over and over and over again, and they're asking themselves this question. And next, you know, a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, four. Me personally, I think five years is a long window um, to not step out on faith. Now, there may be other situations going on as far as, like, you know, being married, kids, 
um, fin uh, other financial things that needs to be taken care of, um, which you don't want to substitute. But I'm a product of stepping out on faith years ago, and it has its up and ups and downs. But I know where the business has come from, where it is, and where it's going. So that's what I would tell them to do. I hope that okay. was a thorough enough answer. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the first thing that you, you say, the budget, we were actually talking about this for the last two segments about um, what, as an entrepreneur, what sacrifices are you willing um, to make to actually even start a business, maintain a business, and, you know, and run a business. And I think the television or what, you know, social media, whatever you want to call it, has the novice entrepreneur thinking, oh, it's all glitz and glamour that I'm going to make all of this money out the gate. And right. even though you might see, like, let's say on Instagram, somebody sold out on a product, they don't tell you about the other five or six products that they tried to sell and, you know, little to nobody purchased those products. So mm -hmm. I think the budget, you know, and, 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 and in anything that you do, there's always a cost to entry. So right. if you if you don't have any money set aside to go full time, so like if you're working full time, so say you're working full time and you say, okay, I want to do photography full time. Over the last five years, two years, three years, whatever, however many years, how much have you set aside to say, okay, in four years, if I'm not doing this full time, I'm going to make sure I have at least a year's worth of an emergency fund to be able to quit my job and start working on my business full time and be able to right. sustain myself. So I definitely right. think the budget thing is definitely important, you know. And then just to piggyback on what you said, how many are how many of those clients are um, returning clients? So that kind of gives you: Are you doing a bunch of one-ups, or now is the majority of your business um, repeat clients and referrals? Because I think for any successful business, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would assume since you're a service-based business as well, you realize after a certain time you are no longer um, what I like to call chasing um, customers. You are now developing a clientele. And that's right. totally two different things. And then from that established clientele, then the referrals started kicking in. So it almost became, you know, with any service-based business, a lot of the business that you get is referrals. Did you experience that? Um, yes. And, and one of the things I was going to add, I didn't add this in from earlier, was, um, you know, while you're make, setting up your plan and looking at your budget, you you know, you want to, you, you're not an expert at marketing and branding, but you want to figure something out and put something together. It's like, what's going to be my marketing and branding just so people can know this is what I do, you mm -hmm. know, for new clients coming in. But your question was, um, you said, do I experience re returning clients from uh, referrals? Yeah, like after after being in business for a certain, you know, let's, let's just say two years down the line, two, three years down the line, did you find like a right. lot of your business was now repeat clients and a lot of referrals from the clients that you already had? Yeah, and, you know, I did. Uh, to answer your question, I did find that. And I think the issue that, and I'm going to start with the issue and go back and answer the question, the issue that people don't end up getting returning clients and through referrals and then they re-refer them, it's because they look at having clients as a one-off. And I don't know why some freelancers or vendors or businesses do that. Some of them do, and they end up just being a one-time thing. The reason why clients end up coming back to me um, and coming back to our company is because 
even if it's a small job, a middle-level job, or a high-level job, we still do excellent service like they're getting a million-dollar package. And one of the key things is, you know, if you look at our website, we have on our website the process. We make sure that we explain the process, we educate about the process, but prior to that, we also make sure that we see if we're a good fit to work together to be able to see what we can deliver. And most of the time, clients feel so comfortable when we do that. And they're like, I've never experienced that before. I was like, well, that's just what I do, you know, and then they end up being returning clients, yeah. And then they refer they refer me to other clients, yep. Yeah, and that's how it works. And it's funny because for some reason we we automatically assume that there's a lot of professionals out there, and I think you and I were talking about this before in a previous conversation. And there are a lot of unprofessional individuals, and like you were saying, they're one-ups. And they don't look at it as, oh, this is somebody that I can have long-term. And I remember when I was talking on on a previous episode, um, we were talking about basically customer service, and we were talking about uh, polling your existing clients for, you know, if you have a problem, if you're rebranding and if you have a problem identifying what your, um, you know, what differentiates you from the competition, ask your clients. And, you know, if you ask enough of them, you'll see a common theme, you know, between, you know, between all of them. And I know, you know, a lot of times it's not, it has, you know, a lot of people, believe it or not, they don't shop on price. I mean, of course they want, they want their money's worth, but like for me, I would rather pay a little more knowing it's going to be done right, knowing the customer service is going to be awesome versus nickel and diamond, knowing it's going to cost me more on the back end because now it's not done right. And I think you and yeah. I were talking about that as well. Yeah, I get it. doesn't cut you off. I get a few clients <laughs> that call with price. And I, and it's, I, I do the same process. I educate them to them. I'm like, well, <laughs> you just call them on price. The value of what you ask them to do has a cost value to it. So if you're already just saying, I got $500, can you shoot all day for me? Basically, what you're asking for me to do is to show up, look around, turn the camera on, and turn it off and leave, because that's what $500 is worth. And the sad part is I think a lot of clients, when they do call, they may have a budget. Now, I do get clients that call that do understand the production value and the budget, and they're saying, they know what it costs, and they're saying, yes, um, this is what, uh, um, this is my budget, you know, like hypothetically, I got five grand looking to do this, uh, you know, three to five minute video. So they kind of already understand what mm-hmm. it is. And then we sit down and we break it down. But, um, I tell them all the time, do not, and I, before I go on the phone, if they use me or don't use me, I'll say, whatever you do, wherever else you go to, do not shop for price. Cause that's an issue unless you don't care about the value of what you're getting. Right, because I got horror stories with people shopping for price. Yeah, and then like, but then like we said, it's going to end up costing them on the end. So, Wait. so let me ask you this question: After that, and after finding out, okay, I've been doing this for a while, I have X amount of returning clients. What would be the next step for them to take? As far as um, like, so when you transition, so how? So let me ask. Okay, so let's back up for a second. Let me make this easy for you. <laughs> how did you transition from? you know, starting, you know, whether you were working the industry already for another mm-hmm. company to doing your own thing full time, but how did you make that transition? Wow, you know it's crazy. I like I barely remember why I did it, um, and how I did it. I knew I was working so I worked at NBC 
news for a while. Then I worked at a magazine, and then I worked at a, another several production houses, um, uh, several big production houses in this city. And oh, you know what? This was the reason I got downsized. <laughs> and um, the last production company I was working for, um, Atlantic Video, I got downsized by them. And um, I had been working at all these production companies. And finally, I was like, you know what? Since I'm out here on my own, I might as well freelance because I can't find a job. Mm-hmm. And um, the first yeah, job I think that's I how a lot, start, a lot of people start. <laughs> yeah. So the first job I took was with the Mayor's Channel as a producer for a show. And it was a lot of money to me. I was like, oh, I could do this. And, you know, and I looked at it, I was like, for monthly what I'm getting, I can operate off of it. And I think from there, the relationships with different clients just kept building and building and building. And, some, and this student asked me a question like that when I was speaking somewhere. They were like, what did you do? Like, how did you even find clients? And I was like, I had a roll of that. <laughs> so when I left and I got downsized and I had that little box and I was walking down the street and never thought it would happen to me, I went through my Rolodex and started calling all the producers and production people that I knew. And they was like, oh, yeah, we remember you. You're the, um, the smart business guy that transitioned to production um, at Atlantic. Um, oh, yeah, we, we know you do good work. So immediately from my customer service with everyone and, and the side projects I did with them, they immediately said, oh, come on in Monday so we can talk. Um, so the transition happened from a downside, and from the downside, everything kept building. So I hope I answered that. I think it's ironic what you just said, and I wonder if the listeners picked on, picked up on that. They knew you mm-hmm. from past experiences, and right. you, in that process, probably unknowingly, you were already building your brand. So exactly. I think that's something. Yeah. So I think that's something that, and not only building your brand but marketing yourself too. So I think that's something that people need to pay attention to. That even though you're working a full time job right now, as you know, you know, there's no longer that six degree of separation. It's more like with social media and stuff now. It's more like three, three degrees of separation. Yeah. So even if you're working a full time job that has nothing to do with um, your current industry, you still need to present yourself in that manner because who knows you may leave and in this case this person is a photographer their former employer may need photography services and if you left on a good note and you stay professional all the way through they're more than likely to say oh let's hire you know let's hire them to come take pictures or even if you pitch them well yeah you know we really liked you we really enjoyed you you would definitely like to use your services so I just thought that was ironic how you know your rep your um your reputation preceded you and that, you know, yeah, and with that yeah. it allowed you to, you know, to take advantage of that opportunity. Piggyback on what you just said about how my um, reputation preceded me. And today I find myself, I speak at a lot of different schools and students, we're always having to educate them about that you're, you're a brand and you're in, you have to operate like a business and you always have to have a business savvy and your reputation will keep following you. So like if you destroy a relationship on one contract, then another, then another, then another. Especially industry-wise, everyone's speaking, and then you're, it follows you, and it's like, oh, don't hire them anymore. So I try to educate them about that, and um, hopefully, <laughs> it messing mm-hmm. things with them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but that, 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 that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's true because I. Even when I was breaking into the industry as a model, and then later as a makeup artist, I was always curious to why 
um, clients would always hire the same models over and over again. Why would they hire the same makeup artists over and over again? And it wasn't until I was in the industry long enough that I realized, oh, because there's so many unprofessional people and they like to stick with what they know. So when they find a model that's, you know, they can depend on, when they find a makeup artist that they can depend on, that's who they stick with. I have clients for that I've had over 12 years. They'll call me because they know I'm going to be on time, I'm going to deliver a certain level of quality of service, and they like that. And if I'm not available, they'll say, well, Bailey, who do you recommend that we call in order to, you know, for this day? But then they'll right. still make sure that they call me the next time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's very important. Yeah, that might be also old school in your upbringing as well. <laughs> you, you said what? It might be what? That might be old school and upbringing because a lot of people in our generation operate that way. <laughs> yeah. Old school. Like I said, that transition. You say old school. I'm not old school. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not old school. No, I am. I am. I'm just. I'm just not trying to elude my age, but it's all right. good. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay, so, so we know that obviously the budget. How many? You know, calculate how many returning customers. Pay attention to um, the customer service that you provide, knowing that your reputation precedes you. And I know some people are like, okay, that's just basic stuff. Um, but you know. Like I always say, you know, you need to, it's the little things sometimes that you overlook that make the biggest impact. So you can have this great right. product, you can have, you can be very talented at what you do, but if you're always late, if you show up with an attitude, if it's always, you know, difficult, if you're a difficult person to work with, it doesn't matter how talented you are, people aren't going to um, want to work with you. So what are some right. of the ways as um, as a business owner that you go about um marketing yourself to new potential clients that don't come as a referral? You know, what's interesting, um, since we started, um, and your question was as far as like marketing ourselves, but we've never had to do hard marketing and promoting. And I'm going to explain what that means, meaning like we create a strategic plan to actually market and brand ourselves. What we did do is um, once we created our website, we just created a presence and just kept uh, updating our friends, family, and clients through blogs. And then, of course, when social media came into play um, through social media, but just kind of updating them like what we were doing. So mm -hmm. I, one of the ways we, we were able to keep marketing ourselves is as we updated people from old school, from back on emails, then blogs, and now to social media, it kept them abreast of what we were doing, and then it made them follow up and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm doing this again. Here you go. And I've had several clients say to me, thanks for keeping me updated um, from back in the day by emails, on your updates, from blogs. And then now, of course, it's so much easier through social media because every time I see your post, it just reminds me that, oh, we're booking you again for next year. Um, but mm -hmm. I would say this. Um, we changed our website twice. And the reason mm -hmm. why we changed our website twice is because we saw a new brand we saw a new approach, and we saw a new direction where we wanted to go to. Um, and we changed our mission statement to your vision, your trust, and your story. And um, we kept pushing and pushing this story narrative because um, in everything that we do, we let people know that, hey, you're going to get a documentary feel, you're going to get a story feel, and you're gonna, we're going to make sure that when your project's done, they have a, we, the, 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 you receive something that has a human connection and it will mm -hmm. be able to touch people around the world. So we do, in a way, have a marketing 
strategy and branding that we do because even with our colors, we keep reinforcing the colors of what our colors are blue, black, um, blue and black primarily, and we keep reinforcing that. But um, we also keep pushing in people's face our logo, our logo, our logo and everything that we do. So it's at the end of all our projects. So anytime it comes up that you see that just blow up right at the end of your face, you know, it could be like a premiere somewhere or it could be like a, a um, an event or like an award show or something that we produce. And then even if they allow us to put like a logo somewhere, you'll always see that brand. You're like, oh, that's the Napoleon people. That's mm-hmm. the Napoleon Complex crew. So, there, you know, there's a form of marketing that we do, but it's not a hard form, like a strategy we build out every year. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw the importance of basically staying, not only being consistent, but staying top of mind. And yes, that's what yes. I think some um, entrepreneurs or businesses, too, for that matter, they forget to stay top of mind. They It's like the only time you hear from them is when they're working on a, you know, work, and it's nothing wrong with letting your clients know when you're working on a new project or when a new project has come out. But it's also important to keep them updated on, um, you know, things that may be going on in, in the industry. So let's just say for argument's sake, if, you know, um, she's, you know, this person is a photographer, she's a photographer, and if she has shot a certain amount of weddings or portraits, so let's just say weddings for argument's sake, um, not to say everyone on your email list is always going to be a bride because at some point you do get married, but if even mm-hmm. if you have an email list where, you know, you may have a combination of these are the latest wedding trends and these are the latest um home items, you know, for the new home, because once you, because what was that, the knot, they did that, they started off with weddings, and then they had, what was that, the nest, or something like that, because they knew you transitioned from, you know, being single, having Uh, your home, yeah, Yeah, to now having, you know, I mean, being single, to now having a family, and having a home, so they wanted to, you know, since they already had you as a client, this was their way of continuing to do that, so I think with what you did, stay on top of mind, and keeping your clients abreast of not only your projects, but, you know, other things as well. I think that's an excellent, you know, like like you say, although it's not hard, you know, sometimes it's the little things. It was, that's a very impactful way to um, stay connected with, you know, again, turning people from customers to clients. Yeah. And, you know, let me also add that we also do subliminal marketing too. So, you know, now the fact that we have social media, we also push um, stories consistently in people's faces. And we'll also do a lot of behind-the-scenes stories on our social media pages. Just to let you know, while we're keeping what we're doing top of mind, we also want you to see your story is always important. Someone's story is always important because it's going to inspire you or it's going to inspire someone to not just reach out to us but knowing that this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it adds a human factor to it too. Yep. Yeah. I I will say this: when I design sites for people, part of my agreement with them is that, um, and it's actually in the written agreement that they have to include my company name and link to my website at the bottom, mm-hmm. just for cross promotion, you know, purposes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people right. go anyway when they see a site that they really like. They scroll. I know I do. I'll scroll to the bottom to see who I do did too. it. Yep. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. good and good. I think we try to we try to include that in our contracts, but a lot of times we're working with sometimes high level clients where they're you know they're working on a particular brand, 
and then it's like it kind of be it's hard for them to do that or they can't do it. But one of the things that's key in our in their they're all they're all since they're returning anyway, they mm-hmm. always say whenever people ask us, they let us know where it's coming from. Like people say, well, who did your who did your video? Because somebody obviously did. It wasn't a robot. Right. And they're like, oh, Napoleon Complex Project. Yeah, Don Napoleon is the head over there. And they're like, okay, I'm reaching out to him. If it's, if, if they don't see it, they, it goes by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. there's one other thing that's what I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. The funny thing that we realized, that we realized, like, we would produce something for the client, and they're like, okay, we already put it out there. You can post. We'll post it. And it'll get, like, you know, a couple of likes. But the, the what we really like to do is posting the behind the scenes, and clients love that. In the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. we get an opportunity to really show our brand. And when we post the behind the scenes, it goes viral like it makes no sense. And I'm just like, why are y'all so interested about what we're doing instead of the final product? But for some reason, it always interests people, and that's like the best form of marketing that we have is the behind the scenes recap. Yeah, because that's the that's the dirtiness of it all. That's the human factor. Yeah. People, the 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 end result is they know, you know, it's, that, it's like that subconscious, you know, a production company shot this, but what right. draws people in is, okay, well, who were those people? What did they look like? Yeah. You know, were they running around doing this? What hiccups and what mishaps or what, you know, what, you know, what did they overcome? Like did something happen and then they fixed it. And, you know, that's the story, you know, honestly, that's the story in itself. It's, and I don't know. I think that's kind of why the reality TV got so popular. I mean, although most of that is scripted. Yeah. yeah most of that mm-hmm. is scripted. But if somebody can relate to it to some degree, you know, because on the front end, you're you're pushing a product. On the back end, that's reality. Right. And that's why, yeah, and that's why it's so interesting. So we have the budget. I always go, go to the recap. We have the returning customers. We have the customer service. We have keeping, putting things out to stay top of mind. You mentioned also the subliminal of doing a lot of behind-the-scenes things, and I know that's another way you can post that on social media, obviously, and then you can you can actually include. I would, and I don't know if you've actually done this, but this just kind of popped into my head. Creating that for a client, if you did, you know how you have as artists, we have our reel. So if we do video or whatever, we'll put you know little quick segments of different projects we've worked on. Doing something like that, but from a behind-the-scenes perspective of, okay, this is how it was working behind the scenes at Discovery for this particular project. What, um, doing something when, you know, when you did your project to honor um, Nelson Mandela. You know, the other different projects, if you had behind-the-scenes stuff, putting that together, that giving um, new customers an idea of how you work, what your team looks like, maybe the different conditions you had to work under to get that project done successfully. You know, and again, adding the human factor behind it. Yeah, you know, I'm happy you said that because we just usually just kind of just post it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a great idea for us to send out the clients when they're asking about who you are and what you do. Um, but for some reason, like a lot of our clients always want to, they, they actually do want to see a finished product because that's mm-hmm. what they're going to get. Um, but adding that kind of bonus behind the scenes so they could see more details of what the process is, is unique. And I think we'll probably start doing that too. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. I'll send you my invoice. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I'll send my invoice. Okay. So what other, um, what other type of marketing tips or suggestions? So actually let me, I want to give one of one that I actually did. And it's kind of funny, but you know, I'm not, I'm not grassroots, 
get down dirty, get my hands dirty, do what I got to do type type chick. So I remember when I was modeling, this was eons ago, and there was this modeling agency called Stars Casting. And they were like right off of DuPont Circle here in D.C. I They accepted me into their agency. And back then they had comp cards and they would give you stickers, you know, agency stickers to put on your um, comp cards. So I wasn't getting any calls. And that w went back to my initial story of why, you know, they were always booking the same models over and over again. So I decided to take matters into my own hands. And what I did was I got a white piece of paper. I put their logo at the top. Basically, I created I created letterhead based off of their off this sticker, and then I typed up a letter and had my mom sign it as my manager. So that was probably the first of the momagers. So she signed it. You know, of course, she was like, "What you got me signing?" So she signed it, and then I called up the different department stores and I asked them who was responsible for booking their models. And that was, you know, it wasn't hush-hush, so they would tell me the name. And I mailed letters out to the different department stores. Like, it was a store nice. back then called Woody's. So Woody's and Nordstrom's yeah. and all of those. Don, I lied to you not. Within, like, a week, my, ages, my agency called me up saying that Nordstrom's wanted to see me for some trunk shows. So I said, okay. So I went in. But... I didn't tell the agency that's what I did. So I already knew why right. they, you know, why they were calling. Oh, that's and genius. I, yeah, and I did the same thing with BET, to be honest with you. When I started, that's how I started working at BET. I had my girlfriend pose as my manager, and she called, spoke to the woman. I can't even remember her name. Um, and she was like, oh, that's great. You know, have her send some, you know, send some of her work in, and we'll take a look at it. So that's what I did. And shortly after they called, I came. They interviewed me, showed me around, and I was hired. So everything wow. literally just snowballed from that to doing t, you know, doing makeup on the television side, to then moving over to corporate, doing their makeup, and then them asking me to come over to BET.com to write, you know, to la help launch the website as their style producer and writing articles, and everything is pretty much history. So it was that one thing that I always say to people, especially when you're starting a business. You have to create your own opportunities. You can't wait, whether that's an event, whether that's, you know, whatever it may be, you can't always just sit around hoping and praying that the phone is going to call because sometimes, like you said, you have your ups and you have your downs, but you have to be able to create something of value that you can sell or, you know, you got to get your hustle on. Come on, hustle to the CEO. Right. You got to get your hustle on. <laughs> yep, I get it. Trust me. I know now with social media, uh, one of the things I know, a lot of people do and I'm looking actually to do more often is to partner up with people so even if that's cross-promotion so Don with your new project coming out um, you definitely keeping us in the loop about it and because I love storytelling so you know being able to post stuff and you know and I know it has to make sense the partnership has to work but CEO Convo and Hustle to CEO is all about promoting entrepreneurs that's just what we do but being able to cross-promote with different people so like Five people will get together, five entrepreneurs will get together, and they will just cross-promote each other. So one person may have, and I'm talking about legitimate followers, you all, one person may have 10,000, somebody else may have five, somebody else may have six. But once you add those numbers up, it goes to like 100,000 people that you're cross-promoting each other and sending clients, kind of like referrals, sending clients each other's way. I'm definitely down for that. One of the things we went into 2019 and now we're going into 2020 is partnerships. Um, mm -hmm. We think partnerships are valuable. 
We think um, cost promoting is valuable, and that's one of the things that we try to push, and we're always looking for partnerships, like how do we partner to work with you? Like even individually in my crew, all my individual crew members have their own company. So we're always cross-promoting with each mm, other, okay. you know, and I educate them and tell them, like, you know, like one of them uh, just came back from overseas. She already had a production company before she was playing basketball. Um, All-American was at George Mason, didn't get picked up by WNBA, went overseas, but she was always pushing her her production company. So we were, we were always hiring her when she came home. So when she came home, she finally, I was like, we got to push it. So now we cross-promote where I shoot all her shows where she has a talk show, um, and her talk show talks to athletes that are playing overseas and the pros and cons and training. So we cross-promote each other where I shoot it, and then her shows goes out. Once it goes out, it was powered by the Napoleon Complex Project. So mm-hmm. we were always pushing that. And one of the other things I want to talk about is it sounds a little cheesy, and people have been doing it for a while, or like T-shirt branding. So what we did, my daughter created a Storyteller certified shirt. The shirt doesn't have our regular colors. It's a kind of a stone gray with white letters, but our logo is on the back. So every time we do um, we do a project with a client or we interview a client or we do a story with a client, we always give them a storyteller shirt. So, and um, we just ask them, like, hey, you know, here's your shirt. Maybe do a little behind the scenes of it, and then we always tell them, hey, do a post, and then just say you're storyteller certified, and now we work with you. So that's another thing that we do for a continued brand, and then people start looking for it. Like, even when we're out wearing our shirts, people are, like, looking. They ask us a 100 times when we're out, and my daughter, and I keep giving her credit, and I'm like, what is Storytelling Certified? What's that all about? And then we go into a conversation about Storytelling, and we go into the business, and we've gotten some business that way. She doesn't want to take the credit for it, but she was the orchestrator of these new shirts that we made uh, last year. I'm going to revoke my invoice because I actually like that idea. So I'm going to have to use that idea. So um, I'm going to have to figure it out. But for people who come on the show, I'm going to have to send you all a Hustler to CEO t-shirt. That's right. And, yeah, yep. and have you have you post. Because I have people buying it already. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I need some pictures. Send me some pictures. But that will be a great way to say, hey, you know, I'm a Hustler turn CEO. That's my wife's organic marketing. That's her organic marketing. My wife's our creative director. So, like, all the things that you see about who we are, what we do, and how it's being promoted is re- really her. And she she's always pushed me to do that. She was like, all right, you're making shirts. That's nice. Don't try to sell them all the time. Give them away. Mm-hmm. Giving things away will make your brand, will push your brand out there. And we've right. done it. We've even made water bottles. We have water bottles, too. Yeah, reciprocity. So you give a little. Yeah. And I call it paying it for because I actually did that on um, Hustle to CEO website. I have a there's only a few things up there right now, but we'll be adding stuff as the months go along. But we call it a freebie. Yeah. Speaking of that, one of the things on there that I would like for everyone to go download is Manifesting 300 Visions. And that's mm-hmm. a free download. And what that is, that was inspired by Steve, Steve Harvey with his write the vision list. And what he talked about, basically, long story short, and I'm only sharing this because for anything that you want to do, whether it's marketing, whether it's branding, um, you know, branding your company, you have to have a vision. You need to write it down. You need to map it out. You have Mm -hmm. to see what that looks like. But then also Mm -hmm. know it's okay if it changes. So writing down 300 things, that really gets you thinking. And in the download, I give you tips on how to brainstorm. I break it up into 12 different categories. It gets you thinking. It took me about a little bit over five hours to do it. But then I read it every day 
just to go through. As he said, by by the time the year is up, you're going to check off 10%. You know, so 10% of 300 is 30. And there's already things, and it's only it hasn't even been a month, and there's things on there that I can already check off the box. So I, I encourage, yes, yeah, so I encourage everyone to go download Manifesting 300 Visions and do that alongside of you know, putting together your marketing plan, some of the tips that we shared here with you today. I would say for everyone who has already has a business that's established, but you're looking to take it, you know, to the next level, what are some of the things that you found from going from, okay, getting started to now going to the next level? Were there any type of marketing tactics or any um, little things that you might have done to help help you get, you know, get further along? Um, you mean as far as like any strategies or any physical things that we may have produced? Yeah, not necessarily work itself, but like, like I know you mentioned you started doing, you know, shooting a lot of behind the scenes stuff and you posted that mm -hmm. on social media to tell the story. Right. Were there any other things right. that you realized that you found yourself doing, whether intentionally or unintentionally, that you just found work for you? You know what? Those are the, the top tier things, the behind the scenes videos, um, creating promotional items. And um, and posting to you know social media sites, which which a lot of people do. But you know you know the other old school thing that we I find works, and a lot of people don't do anymore, are business cards. And um, my wife created our business cards. They're black matte, amazing looking cards. And when she, because she's amazing, when she made them, every person I hand them to or leave them somewhere. They're like turning it over. They go back and forth. They're feeling it. They're staring at it. Then they start logging in to look more. They immediately just start going gaga about the card, and then they want to know more. And then they want to. I want to hire you guys. What do you guys? Can you guys do both? Can you do branding? Like we had a client at my daughter's school. Um, we ha I handed him the card. He saw me filming that day. I was just covering a Christmas event there, and um, when soon as I gave him the card, he's like, "Can I talk to you for a second? And he was just like feeling all over the card. And another cool thing that we do is that we, my, my, my marketing team is my wife, my daughter, and my son. <laughs> I was sitting powwow, powwow with them about ideas. Young folks got smooth ideas. They sure do. They have the smoothest ideas, and I listen to them. And I encourage business owners to, like, one of the things that keeps us afloat, everyone that works in our crew, I got, I got young folks all different ages because you can't have the perspective of all old heads mm -hmm. or all people that's in the one age category. And that has helped us. And one of the ideas um, my son and daughter came up with was stickers. So we went to speak at her school career day. The stickers are still the biggest hit. And now the school hires me to do things, and now parents have hired us to do things. So, like, I think the smallest things that you don't think about end up being the coolest things that help people, one, remember, reinforce, and then give you a call. Yeah, because kids love stickers. I'm just going to put that out there. My son sees a oh, yeah. sticker. Yeah, he's just like, it's like the best thing since sliced bread. So I wanted to say this. I am a business card girl myself. And I'm going to chew my own horn, and my business cards are phenomenal. And That's right. Yeah, people stroke my cards, too. <laughs> they <laughs> actually, when they get it, because they're really thick and smooth, and has, but actually not smooth because these actually have a texture to it. But they think I gave them, like, a stack of cards. And then when they go to, you know, 
they put, you know, press it between their fingers and separate it. They're like, wait a minute. And they're like, wait a minute, hold on, what is this? And they look, hustle the CEO, what, what, you know, then like you said, they start asking questions. Now, I'm the type of person, and I get it, you know, some people do the digital stuff, let me scan it, but that don't work for me. So if I ever meet you, don't walk up to me asking me to scan nothing because what's going to happen is, one, I don't want everybody in my phone, first and foremost. Two, mm-hmm. if I don't, re- and I'm, I'm horrible with names, so if I don't remember your name, I'm like, okay, am I going to scroll through my phone to figure out who you were or whatever, you know, especially if we don't text each other right then and there where you're not right at the top mm-hmm. of my history. But I'm a very, mm-hmm. very yeah. visual person as well, and I know a lot of creatives are. So I would prefer yeah. to be able to go through my stack of cards, see what's what. Oh, that's on, you know, let me reach out to her, let me reach out to him. But that whole digital card thing, as fancy as it may be, it, that don't work for me. Just to piggyback what you said about creatives being visual, most creatives are. Um, even with me, the cards that I bring home and that I start looking through, the ones I keep picking back up, the ones that are appealing to me. I was like, what's this again? And then that ends up having me to remember or send them a quick email or a text or follow up with them. So, yeah, right. business card, always. Yeah. Sometimes we get so focused on the latest and greatest. So, like, obviously right now, social media, that mm-hmm. we forget that, there's the old school stuff. There's that those business cards. There's the direct mail because even Google still sends stuff in the mail. Like any person who has mm-hmm. a business, Google has sent you your fifty, your free fifty dollar off <laughs> Google Ads coupon in the mail. That's just what they do. But they're a mega right. online brand. But they're still marketing right. offline. Why? Because they know a lot of people are online now and they want to get your attention because. The amount of junk mail, you know, we still get it, but it's not as much as we used to get it. So now when you get something in the mail, you're more prone to pay attention to it because everybody's online. Mm-hmm. Let me let me add one other thing because you asked a question about marketing and branding and other tips or ideas. You are your brand. I tell everyone, a lot of people think it's cheesy to walk around with your gear on. We have hats. We have shirts. We have sweatshirts. We have stickers. And... You have to walk around with your brand in order to brand yourself, in order to people. And if ain't no one else doing it, you should do it. Like when we travel, when I travel with my crew, everybody got a jacket, everybody got a polo shirt, everybody got a sweatshirt, everybody got a hat, everybody has a bag. And if people are always asking questions because the colors stand out, the logo stands out, and then sometimes it ends up developing the business. It's always a conversation. So walk with your brand as well. I will agree to that. So, Don, when um, Erica takes your new takes your new headshots, I'm expecting to see your <laughs> I'm expecting to see you with your t-shirt on. <laughs> but yeah, I do I'm the, definitely send one with one on. Yep. Yes, please do. And it's funny because I do the same thing. Um, I have t-shirts. I have hoodies. And I actually, so this is the funny thing. So I got my hoodie. My son, he's he's about to turn 11. He was just like, "Where's mine?" I said, oh, "You want one?" He was just like, "Yeah." All so, day. All day. The kids rock them. Yeah, so when we go out and have my hoodie, I'm like, all right, all right, you know, gee, where's your, where's your, where's your hoodie? I got to wear my hoodie. I say, yeah, because that's going to bring even more attention because I'm, if I'm rocking Hustle the CEO and you got Hustle the CEO, they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, what's going on here? Because I already have people walk I up to me it. like, you a hustler turned CEO. And the going joke is depending on how, depending on the question the person asks me and depending on how they respond to it, lets me know whether or not they're an entrepreneur or not. Entrepreneurs get it. Non-entrepreneurs, yeah. they don't get it. You a hustler. 
turn CEO. I'm just like, yeah. And they were like, oh, well, congratulations. And I just laughed. But the entrepreneurs, they're like, oh, you a hustler turn CEO? Well, what do you do? What's your business? So, and I'm like, okay, well, I must be speaking to another entrepreneur. And almost always that's mm-hmm. the case. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I got some tips for you. I don't know if we want to talk about it on the call when we get off, but I got some cool ideas that you should hustle. The CEO is a very unique and awesome idea that you create. I just want to make sure I let you know that there's some things that you can do. Okay. All right. Yeah. We're going to have to talk yeah. about that. I appreciate it. Are you going to be sending me an invoice let's, with that? <laughs> we, let, we Let's figure out a partnership. Let's, figure, okay. let's talk about it. Okay, I'm talking yeah. about I'm gonna send you invoices. You gonna send me an invoice? Okay, yeah, no, listen, I, I'm always open to new things and new ideas. So that so that sounds awesome. So let's do this. Let's end with the three power plays. So to kind of sum everything up, what would be the next three steps that you suggest that our listeners do to to successfully get on the right track to transitioning from um, their full time job to becoming a full time um, entrepreneur? Um, pray, meditate and manifest. That is like literally our house mantra. Because with those three key things, you're going to be able to find a connection with yourself, find what your purpose is and what you need to do, and then you manifest on it. That's like real talk. A lot of people keep asking or going around and doing questions with other people. Those three things are my main things. Pray, meditate, manifest. And you know what? I would have to agree 100%. And it's, is is. For the okay, I'll say this: for the non-spiritual people, they won't get it. For the spiritual people, they they get it; they already know. And the question is, have they started to execute it? And again, that's where manifesting 300 visions comes into play. So, and it, you know, God says, write it down and make it plain. So, yep. write it down, and I created it where it's not a downloadable. Uh, was downloadable? We can print it, but it's not a fillable PDF. Because the point is for you to print it out and actually take pen or pencil to paper and write it down, so you can actually see. Love so it. when you go over it every day, so I'm, I, I I can totally agree with that, and it gives you clarity. I meditate every day. Um, I wake yep. up, listen to my sermons, and then I meditate just on what you know. And there's different forms of meditation, but I meditate on asking God for clarity and envisioning what my day, how it's going to unfold, and that's that's the key. In divine order places your life in alignment. It does. Um, that's like a whole nother conversation. It is. <laughs> you know, but that's just my last take right there. Right? So so there we go. So Don, how can um our listeners get in contact with you? Um you can log into our website. It's NapoleonComplexProject.com. Yeah, it's kinda long. It's the last name is N A P O L E O N C O M P L E X Project just the way it's spelled, P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot com. Or you can find us on IG, on LinkedIn, or Facebook. We're listed the same way. If you put in my name, Don Napoleon, or if you put in the company name, we'll pop right up. Perfect. Well, Don, I want to thank you for joining us today. And listeners, thank you for tuning in for another episode of CEO Convo. As always, remember, business is a lifestyle. Use everyone. Don't misuse anyone. Until next time. Thanks again for joining us this week on CEO Combo. Visit our website, hustlertoceo.com, and subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you're loving the combo we're serving up, please give us a five-star rating or tell a friend. Don't forget to rep your CEO status and order your Hustler to CEO gear today. 
Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of CEO Combo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs.